This is The Guardian. Today, as the so-called Wagatha Christie trial approaches, neither side are backing down from a case that has legal fees running into the millions. Now, this is the second of a two-part special. If you missed part one yesterday, stop, scroll back through your feed, catch up, and then come back. It's been almost three years since Colleen Rooney published that infamous sentence on Instagram. It's dot, 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 Rebecca Vardy's account. The very public row has broken out between the wives of two high-profile footballers. Wayne Rooney's wife, Colleen, has accused Jamie Vardy's wife, Rebecca, of leaking stories from her private Instagram account to the Sun newspaper. Rebecca Vardy, the wife of Leicester footballer Jamie Vardy, had, according to Rooney, been involved in selling stories about her to the Sun newspaper. And Rooney, herself a so-called wag, had turned detective to post a delicious whodunit. The story was perfect tabloid fodder, and Rooney was reborn as Wagatha Christie. It really has been sort of war of the wags. Two footballers' wives that used to be friends. Now the very public row between Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. Today, the so-called Wagatha Christie saga began back in October 2019 after Miss Rooney, Wayne Rooney's wife, of course, accused Miss Vardy, Jamie Vardy's wife, of leaking false stories about her private life. The damage to Vardy's reputation was undeniable and she launched a libel suit against her former friend to try and clear her name. At the High Court in London next week, that sensational trial is finally about to start. As part of the legal process, the court ordered that mobile phones belonging to Vardy and to her agent, Caroline Watt, should be searched in order to find vital evidence that could settle the case either way. But there's been a problem. Shortly after they requested to search this phone for any messages that could be relevant to the case, they were told that Caroline Watt had been on a holiday and she went on a boat trip into the North Sea. And at some point while on that boat trip, the boat entered choppy waters and, and hit a wave. And in an unfortunate incident, the phone that she was holding, the one that the lawyers wanted to search, fell over the side of the boat. And that means that the thing that might hold the documents that might help Rooney's case is now at the bottom of the sea. It's just one in a series of deeply unfortunate events that's plagued the gathering of evidence in this case. From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, the Wagatha Christie trial, part two. Jim Watson you're The Guardian's media editor, and in our last episode, we talked about how the judges have laid out the parameters of this case. They've decided it is up to Rooney to prove that stories about her were leaked by Rebecca Vardy herself, and not just someone with access to Vardy's Instagram account. Does it, why does it matter so much to Vardy? Why has she brought this libel case against Colleen Rooney? Because her reputation has been destroyed in the course of public opinion, and if she doesn't win this then she's got no way back. 
she says that she's been victim of a vicious false smear and that her children have been mocked at school, that she's received endless social media abuse and that people are mocking her. And you can't deny it. Her reputation has been tarnished by this. I had people messaging me, um, saying nasty stuff. I mean, there's some, there's some comments here. Um, one in particular, you fat, ugly rat, I generally hope you. Oh, and your baby rock. Don't, don't read it, don't read it. Don't. Oh, 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 I think oh, just oh. people don't realise, you know, yeah. when they're... When they're but, saying stuff like that, I'll carry actually, it on you. I mean, it, I, I understand it, it, it is it is vicious and nasty, and of course the bottom line is that you were you were in the advanced stages of pregnancy. Yeah. So how did it affect you medically with your with your pregnancy? Um, well, I ended up with severe anxiety attacks. Um, I ended up in hospital three times. Um, she has football fans, whenever her husband plays, end up chanting, Jamie Vardy, your wife is a grass. And she says this has basically made her life horrible. The question is, has that been done on the basis of fact or on the basis of something that Colleen Rooney can't actually prove? So what are Vardy's legal team arguing? Vardy's legal team argue, essentially, there's no proof for the accusation. That's all they have to do. The onus is on Rooney to prove that it is true. And this is how Britain's libel laws work. And I spoke to libel lawyer Mark Stevens about this. The issue is essentially that it is thought to be reprehensible to leak stories to a newspaper and particularly to The Sun. And she has said that Rebecca Vardy did this. The difficulty with that is that it lowers Rebecca Vardy in the estimation of right-thinking people. You know, when you read this in The Sun, would you think the worse of Rebecca Vardy for uh, having leaked that story? And if the answer to that is yes, then you've got a libel claim. And you've got to prove in libel law who it was that leaked this information to The Sun. And the burden on proving that is on Colleen Rooney. She's made the allegation And this case is almost unique in libel history because it's untrammeled by evidence. In most cases, you've got documents, you've got WhatsApp messages, you spend an inordinate amount of time as a lawyer looking at the documents and the contemporaneous records in order to prove something. In this case, at least one phone has dropped into the North Sea. And so this is a case which, if anything, is built on inference And that, I think, is the fundamental problem with Colleen Rooney's case. The trial itself is going to start next Monday, but the pre-trial hearings have been going on for about two years now. Can you explain what that really means? What happens at them? It includes things like trying to decide on the meaning of what was actually said, which went against Rooney. Rooney has seen a lot of her witness statement taken out. And crucially, Rooney lost the really important ruling early on, on what the thing actually meant. Mm. And that was the moment at which it became very, very hard for Rooney to prove the accusation she was making because it was defined so tightly by the judge as meaning it was exclusively about one person. And the thing that has been emphasised in this case is that Rebecca Vardy, like a lot of other celebrities, it turns out, has social media accounts that her team and people like Caroline Watt, her agent, would have had passwords to. Colleen had been, I think, hoping once she discovered that more than one person had access to the account, that she would be able to see 
what it was that Caroline Watt was doing and what was Rebecca Vardy doing. You know, they've obviously digging around because they know there's a certain weakness in their case. Unfortunately, that's not been able to come out. And so it's almost like a game of battleships where Colleen Rooney's team lob bombs over and hope that they come up with a cruiser or a battleship, when in fact, actually, what they're coming up with is um, rowboats and rowboats with holes in. So Rebecca Vardy has made this libel claim against Colleen Rooney. What evidence has been gathered by the legal teams? I've got a file on my computer with about best part of a thousand pages in PDFs of various rulings and bits of evidence. And when you go through it, you find claims, counterclaims, you find copies of some WhatsApp exchanges between Vardy and her agent. Mm. I mean, there was one exchange where Vardy and her agent are complaining that the son isn't buying up stories. And in one memorable phrase, quote, we still need to make money and suggesting they contact senior executives at the paper to go, what's going on? Why right. aren't you taking anything? In one exchange, the agent starts asking, am I imagining this? Or did you say that Colleen had crashed her Honda? And Vardy replies, she defo has, go in the Instagram. The agent says, she must have taken it down as it's not there. Vardy replies, she's a nasty bitch, although she's claimed since that she was referring to someone else. The agent says, she's trash. Becky says, I've taken a big dislike to her. She thinks she's amazing, would love to leak those stories. But that sounds hugely incriminating. It's incriminating that she might not like Colleen. It doesn't prove that she did the act that was being accused of. And this is it. It's circumstantial evidence. So how have the legal teams gone about trying to gather this evidence? There's been a lot of arguments over disclosure, which is the process where you basically go looking for relevant information. And the idea is you have to be able to trust that the other side will hand over everything good and bad. And in some of the most excruciating exchanges, there was a big legal fight because Vardy's lawyers handed over some redacted WhatsApps. And due to a mistake with how they'd done the redaction, it was actually possible to see the text behind it. Ooh. This meant that Rooney's lawyers could see all sorts of things that they weren't supposed to be able to see. And the judge was very upset at this and, and actually gave Vardy's legal team a dressing down for this and said to one of the country's top QCs, uh, Hugh Tomlinson, what happened here? And he said, I take responsibility for this if you feel this was a mistake, because the idea is you put everything out there. You can't hide things that might be useful to your opponents if they've asked for them. Jim, what do Colleen Rooney's team need to find to establish and prove? They are essentially trying to build up an argument around a pattern of behaviour. The idea that Vardy was someone who had communications with the son, dealt with the son. They argue she was behind a column called The Secret Wag, which was a riff off the Guardian's secret footballer column, uh, where an individual from that world told gossip anonymously. The Rooney team are really trying to work around the edges and go, here are some texts that show she was interested in selling stories. Mm. Here are some messages that suggest that she was communicating or aware of some journalists. Here are essentially other people with suspicions about her as someone who couldn't be trusted in this regard. But there isn't that one message that says, I'm going to flog this to the sun on these particular three stories that came from Rooney's private Instagram account. And British libel law is like this. It is fought on absolute precision. 
And this is the reason that when The Guardian or someone like that is doing a big investigation, every word is carefully considered in order to make sure that we aren't going to end up in court or with a big legal bill. Jim, you mentioned earlier another key player in this case, Caroline Watt. How has she become so integral to this case? Caroline Watt is the woman who dropped her phone over the side of the boat in the North Sea. She's a sort of former wag herself. She's got a husband who played uh, one match for Chelsea, a guy called Steve Watt, who uh, then went on to play for the mighty Dother Athletic and then became manager of Hythe Town. So not someone who hit the same heights as Jamie Vardy, but someone who definitely knew the football world. And Caroline was a former air hostess who was married to him, who then became an agent to Vardy. And also more than that, a confidant, someone who clearly talked to the media on her behalf, looked after her, managed her events and tried to change her image. What was the sort of person you might have found in the son's box at the O2 with their journalists? She was the sort of person who knew the celebrity journalist at the Sun and would send them stories. Can we expect to see her in court next week then? No. Caroline Watt won't be in court because she is apparently too ill to attend and won't be called as a witness. And in a late twist on Friday, just as we were putting this podcast together, an unexpected hearing was held at the High Court. And according to Rooney's lawyers... Vardy has changed her tune somewhat and now says that she believes that Watt might have been the person who leaked information to the Sun and that she has reason to believe that she may have been betrayed. That's quite a turnaround. What does that then mean for this case? This is a fairly significant change in approach from Vardy, who appears to be now suggesting, whereas before she'd maintained that neither her nor her agent were involved in this, She's now suggesting that the agent was possibly acting and passing on information to the son without her knowledge. Now, in terms of what this means for the case, well, Vardy is fighting this on whether she was the person doing the leaking. And it raises the potential that she might argue at the full trial that while she wasn't doing anything, her agent was doing it without her knowledge. Okay, so Caroline Watt won't be there, but who else can we expect to see in the witness box? Who might be there is Wayne Rooney, and there may also be the potential for some journalists, for Vardy and Rooney themselves. It's like the season finale of the WAG era. Everyone will be called to give evidence, and it will be a complete jamboree in the courtroom, and it will be absolutely rammed. It is, and I know we've said it, but it is really unfortunate that Caroline's phone ended up in the North Sea. But it's not the only mishap this case has encountered. Jim, what else has gone terribly wrong? Well, one of the other places you might have found some of the exchanges would have been on Rebecca Vardy's phone. But the backup of that, which was done by her own IT expert, unfortunately, the password is no longer working, possibly due to an encryption error or possibly because it was simply lost. Another unfortunate incident was that Rebecca Vardy's laptop from the era in question stopped working and is no longer possible to access the files on that. Jamie Vardy, her footballer husband, had his WhatsApp account hacked and the messages from the era have also gone. There was a series of really unfortunate events that have happened to quite a number of electronic devices that could hold information that would aid uh, Clean Rooney's legal team. And there is, of course, the role that the Sun newspaper plays. They publish the leaks and tip-offs that this case is built around, including the stories that Colleen Rooney said that later that she'd made up. What have their lawyers said about this case? 
The Sun has covered this in a really weird way because they've ended up with a delicious, scandalous, running celebrity story involving the characters they love to write about, but where they are the prompt for all of this. It was their stories, now disputed, which are still live on their website with a note saying, Colleen Rooney says she made this up. And they have covered this all the way through without really going into the fact that it was the Sun's own journalists who were repeatedly coming up in the court filings, who are repeatedly alleged to have been taking these fake stories and who are an intrinsic part of this. Can the Sun be compelled to hand over any incriminating material that their journalists might have? Rooney's lawyers think that the only way that they can prove their case is to get access to messages showing information being passed directly to Sun reporters, which may or may not exist. As a result, they are trying to get the Sun journalist Andy Halls to hand over copies of any messages he may or may not hold. Now, the Sun is saying that they have a duty to protect their sources and that they aren't inclined to play ball on this. This is something which pits the interests of journalists and their ability to protect sources and do investigative journalism without betraying the individuals who pass information to them against the attempts by Rooney's lawyers to prove their case. And Rooney's lawyers argue that it would be an unfair trial if they weren't able to access any of the information that may or may not be held on this one Sun reporter's phone. And with all the revelations of what goes on between celebrities and journalists behind the scenes that have been exposed by this case, how bad a look do you think this is for the Sun? I think of this as slightly the end of an era of a certain way of doing business. And and, Vardy is now 40. The younger generation of footballers, partners who are around today, they don't remember a world without YouTube. You know, it's a very, very different mindset. My name's Tom Latcham. I'm a former tabloid journalist for the Daily Mirror and the TV editor of the News of the World until it shut in 2011. And now working in football, doing PR and communications. You pretty much cover everything, Ben, that that is involved in this whole story. (laughs) I do. And I got into journalism as a mirror trainee in 2005, 2006, which was actually when the wags were really on the rise. They're really gossipy and they like money. And you'd often pay them for the stories? Of course. How do you think things have changed in the 15 years since the nexus of this whole scene. Fashion, for starters. <laughs> I remember what, you know, some of the clothes that were in was very 2005, weren't they? Um, the rise of social media has seen influencers grow and they're not linked to footballers. You don't need to be linked to a footballer anymore to find yourself in the tabloid media and be a thing or a personality. So if you've got a good Instagram account, you don't need to be in the tabloid press. And in fact, you will see a lot of Instagram people or a lot of influencers don't want to be in those papers anymore. So I think there are probably better ways than just being somebody who dates a footballer to become famous. There's a moment in the court disclosures where Caroline Watts says to Rebecca Vardy, make sure you go and say hello to this Sun Online journalist because she always writes nice things about you and she changes other stories when uh, I ask her to. So that's the sort of thing you're talking about, that it's a it's a quid pro quo. Yeah, and that's always existed. But when money is less appealing, because it's less, <laughs> because it's diminished... Then you look for other things, and one of those things is is an ongoing relationship. I mean, you know, if, for instance, Rebecca Vardy was the secret wag, the Sun is never going to write about the person that was the source of that column in a bad way because 
Well, obvious. I mean, it's obvious. Of course they wouldn't. Coming up. This trial could end up costing the women at the heart of it millions of pounds in legal fees and could damage their reputations. So why are they going ahead with it? Coming soon, a four-part investigative series. A new civil rights division has been set up in New Orleans. Their task? To re-examine thousands of cases and work out whether those people should still be in prison. This six-month investigation takes you into the heart of the Deep South and asks, is it possible to right the wrongs of the past? Listen to The Division New Orleans from this Friday, 6th of May, and across the weekend on Today in Focus. Jim, it does sound like an extraordinary amount of money and emotional turmoil has been spent on this case. Couldn't Vardy and Rooney have settled this already? They could have settled this at any point. There are so many incentives to settle without going to court. You avoid many of the costs. You can uh, just agree a short statement and just get things done quietly and quickly. The side that might have chosen to fold, perhaps Rooney in a different world, if she had less money or she was less committed to the cause, might have gone, I've had an unfavourable few rulings from the judge. It's time to get off this. Mm. Well, how often do libel cases like this end up in the courts and who usually brings them? It's incredibly rare for them to end up in the courts like this. And it's normally when both sides are absolutely sure that they want to make a point. But libel cases that go to trial are rare because the system is set up to avoid that. You sometimes see privacy cases like you do with Meghan Markle and uh, with Cliff Richard. But this is a rarity. The system is not supposed to do this. And judges throughout this case have repeatedly said, please just sit down and mediate an outcome, just agree a settlement, just come to an arrangement rather than pushing this all the way to a trial. Well, as we've been saying, the case has rumbled on for a few years now. Vardy and Rooney are about to go through this circus of a high-profile trial. And it has already, and it is expected to do more so, bring out details about their lives and the way they've courted the press that will be damaging to both of their reputations. And yet still, why are they both doing this? They both think they're right. You've got one side who has had their reputation trashed beyond belief. That's Rebecca Vardy. And she needs to vindicate herself. She needs to get that reputation back. And the way to do that is to win a libel case and then prove that the accusations that everyone used to mock her were wrong. And Rooney is so fed up with tabloid media intrusion, the thing that has dominated so much of her life, that she wants to fight to the end. But there will be a ruling at some point in the coming months where a judge will go, one of you is right and one of you is wrong. What did Mark Stevens, the libel lawyer that you've been speaking to, what did he say about how this is going to go? Mark reckons there's a good chance that Vardy wins this thing because unless you can prove the original accusation beyond doubt, you've got a real problem legally. I think that Vardy wins this on a technicality because there's no evidence that Colleen can prove it. And I think most B-list celebrities have relationships with journalists. You know, they survive and their profile is built on tittle-tattle in the pages of the tabloids. And unfortunately, the wags around football are a leaky bunch who 
chat and gossip and stuff gets into the newspapers. Of course it does. What is the wider importance? What does this say about the state of British libel law? Well, British libel law has never really been fit for social media. People say things in social media which they would in a conversation which would be defamatory. But the problem, of course, is it's indelibly there forever because of the electronic fingerprint. But British libel law really isn't fit for these kind of water cooler conversations, the conversations that you might have had over a couple of glasses of Chardonnay. Effectively, you're having to hold yourself to the same standards as an investigative reporter on The Guardian, for example. It's a a place where fools rush in and angels fear to tread. So, Jim, with all that in mind, can there be a clear winner here? There is an outcome where Rebecca Vardy wins in the eyes of the court, but has lost in the eyes of public opinion. And you could end up with a situation where one side has emerged victorious from the legal system, but at the same time has tarnished their reputation even more by fighting the case. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you. That was The Guardian's media editor, Jim Waterson. My thanks also to Tom Latcham and to Mark Stevens. And while I have you, please let me recommend The Guardian's new daily newsletter called First Edition. If you sign up, you'll get top stories, features and analysis from our journalists, Archie Bland and Nimo Omar, straight to your inbox every morning. It's free. Just go to theguardian.com forward slash first edition to sign up. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Hannah Moore and Elizabeth Casson. Sound design is by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Mythley Rao. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. <laughs> 